This week's Sonic Talk, we're becoming anonymous, in it. There's no album credits anymore. What are we going to do about it? There's a new Ultravox album in the offing. There's way cool AMOLED bendable LCD display from Samsung. The Saura synth from Tone 2. And finally, an excellent repository of sweet electronic music videos via Network Awesome. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the O1V96i compact digital console, one of the fullest, finest featured, most compact digital consoles available today. Go to a Yamaha dealer near you and check it out. And by Mac Pro Video. Save 20% off all training videos via macprovideo.com. To get your 20% off, visit sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 261. Yes, uh, you might have missed it last week. I did actually say I was on holiday, uh, but I'm sorry if you uh, got up especially early or stayed up especially late, any of those things. Um, I was in a caravan in Dorset on the Isle of Isle of Purbeck, which was actually really nice, although the weather did turn almost as soon as we left Bath. <laughs> It didn't turn so badly to ruin the holiday. But anyway, we had we had a lot of fun. Um, but this week, um, what did I say? I said it was 2C. I feel terribly out of practice, I must say. What are we? 261, yeah. And I've got someone in the studio with me. This is Mr. Dave Spears over here. Good afternoon. Uh, you might need to just get a little... Just a little closer. Just a little bit. I'll take the, the, the mic out up a little bit. Just one more, one more word from you. Good afternoon. That's perfect. Thank you very much. My radio voice. The radio voice is, is absolutely fine. So I just need to adjust that. So yeah, I, I, as you can see, everything's not quite as it should be. Uh, but also, we have a single Skype week in the form of Mr. Rich Hilton here. Uh, Rich Hilton, hiltonius.com, uh, live from Connecticut, where he's... Uh, Probably got a limousine waiting outside to take him to uh, man the controls of Nile Rogers' private studio and uh, make some hits. Is that correct? Oh, sure. Good. I'll I'll go with that. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Excellent. How are you, Rich? You well? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Right. Um, well, this week, um, funnily enough, actually yesterday, we went to the Gadget Show Live, which was the first time ever, which is kind of a consumer electronics show. And uh, I've never met so many sportsmen in my life. Uh, there was one called the Wowie One, which is like a little kind of uh, th- uh, extra speaker with pizza, uh, with a like, transducer in it and a piece of gel. And you put it on any surface and it becomes like a subwoofer. It's amazing. Wow. It sounds like it's a, you know, it outputs 90 decibels of bass. Mm. And um, the person who was fronting that was a very, very tall man. Uh, called Andrew Caddick. And I was looking at him and going, I know you. So, oh, you're a cricketer, aren't you? And honestly, he was about seven feet tall and he had hands about this big. Um, so that was, and then I went straight from there to a place and I saw the, something called the Doob, which sounds... That's good. Good name. Which is uh, from Dion Dublin, which is a square cube thing, which you hit. It's like a, uh, is it a cajone? A cajon, they call it, you know, like, and, but it has four sides. So they're each all pitched. They're like congas or bongos, depending on the side. Really good idea. And he was a premiership football footballer from Norwich City. He was a very nice man. So anyway, that, I just wanted to get out of the way. Uh, footage will be coming up. I've got a few things to go in the uh, um, in the uh, I T- I Sonic Touch show, which will be coming on sometime somewhere. Uh, anyway, that's that's all I have to say, really. I forgot to put this up for you, Dave. So there you go. Dave Speed, G4Software.com with your lower third. Ah, thank you. I need that. 
Excellent. Well, I'm sure you feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now, let me see what's first. First is... Um, oh, yeah, we're becoming anonymous, isn't it? That was... Uh, yeah, I was a bit disturbed about this. Uh, this is... Um, uh, I found this, which is the Music Producers Guild, which is uh, credit where credit's due, and it's, you know, who played bass on Tressive. And it's the idea of the... The idea is, essentially, they're, they're a little concerned, the Music Producers Guild, even this is an older post, and it may have been addressed a little bit, that even with the advance of all of this metadata that can go along with all the MP3s and all the downloads, everything's obviously going digital, there is unfortunately um, no room or at least the data is not being put in for like who played on what track who played what on what track who produced it who mixed it where it was recorded and all of these credits are just being lost in time and i you know myself have been victim of those things i got I worked on a remix i was really proud of and there's just no record of me being on it anywhere because it's just a, a digital file and i felt a bit disappointed by that and i just wondered you know that th- this is actually quite a big deal really i mean there's quite a shift because you know, when I was kind of getting into music and wondering who did what on various records, you know, it was a real point to help me kind of go, oh, I'll check more of their work because I like what they do. Yeah. And that's kind of, are we, are we losing all of that? I mean, is that gonna, a, a, an issue, do you think, Dave? It has been. I think it really has been. I don't know. I mean, exactly the same situation, particularly as a muso, you know, kind of growing up, you'd see who played on that and then you kind of go and try and explore more of their work and other albums and... And then that way it would kind of introduce you to other artists and other genres of music. And it was all a really brilliant kind of learning experience. And I've always thought that that was kind of sad, really, when, when, once we started to lose that in the kind of digital download age. However, and I'm really sorry, I didn't bring it with me. There is, I did see something about 10 minutes after you sent me uh, all of these topics. I did see something and there's an attempt to redress this. And I can't remember which is why I'm apologising, <laughs> who it was that's been doing this. And I think it's a kind of user thing, you know, where you uh, know, people who are kind of fans go, right, okay. It might be this site, because I found this one. Albumcredits.com. Albumcredits.com. I rather did, I did a vanity search for myself, uh, but perhaps more on that later. I don't know. Rich, do you think this is an issue? I mean, I'm guessing, you, you know, you're probably, from your point of view, it's not, you know, not getting you any work or whatever, because people probably know who you are and would get you'd get work through that way but i mean isn't it this is quite a big deal isn't it like no no record really unless you really want to go and look for it of all of this stuff well it is a shame and i do miss as a fan that aspect of the experience of sitting down and being able to look at that but why haven't the artists taken it upon themselves to post comprehensive websites for each of their album releases then that's a good point do you think um, they just want all the credit? It's all about the brand. Secretly, all these years, all they've wanted to do is not is pretend that it's all them. <laughs> well, there is an aspect, I mean, as uh, silly as it sounds, there is some aspect of that apparent in our business anyway where people aren't visible on stage that are doing making musical contributions to live shows or, uh, you know, you don't have a screen showing the Pro Tools session that's playing the artist's album that you already bought while they're all dancing down on stage. Uh you know, there's no, <laughs> but uh, I mean, as far as credit goes, I think the right thing, I think we all agree that the right thing in life to do is to give people credit where it's due. And uh, it would be nice to be recognized for all the things we do. And that said, I've learned through experience that the work had better be its own reward because sometimes that happens. In my case, most times it's happened, <laughs> but Quite often it doesn't, or sometimes it doesn't at the very least. And uh, you can't always count on the fact that it will. So 
the work does have to be its own reward on some level. Uh, Redwalk says uh, we need a wiki. It could possibly be called a credicky, uh, which is uh, quite a, a good play on words there. Um, I wonder, I mean, the, the thing is, is though, you know, you make all of these EPKs, there's lots of press and, and, and downloadable material that people, you know, behind the scenes and what have you that goes up on YouTube. I wonder if there could be a kind of like almost uh, a way of utilizing that. So it could be as part of a download, you get an extended thing where there'd be, you know, that extra data in there and perhaps a little bit of a kind of, oh, this is where we got that great drum sound or whatever. I mean, is there any, but I mean, I suppose most people aren't interested, like pure pop fans probably don't give a, a monkeys, do they, about that kind of stuff? But in this age of portable computing and mobile devices, all you have to do is make it available online. Right. You don't even have to hand them a card that has this information on it anymore. All That's you true. have to do is have it coherently available online on the artist's website, one click away, and then you could credit people if that's what you were so you know, inclined to do. Hmm. Funny, sometimes people get a bit upset at being credited. Uh, well, it depends whether you're proud of your work or not. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want my, um, I'm not sure I'd want my, uh, my, my work done on the, uh, what was it? It was a line dance album where I did some really ghastly house versions of country music, dueling banjos being one of them and ghost riders in the sky to be fully publicly available. Oops. I've said it now. Yeah, but... yeah, 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 <laughs> no, yeah. but that's the thing. It's all, it, then it becomes, you know, a joke, a drinking story. It it doesn't remain this like embarrassing moment in your life. It becomes, hey, and check this out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, did the. I, no, I agree. I mean, it's interesting. I looked at the, uh, I did a vanity search here. Uh, and the one thing that, you know, just looking at this, although the, there's a really hilarious thing on here. Where is it? I've apparently, I did, uh, where was it? I've, I've done vocals on something. I was just trying to find that because I thought it was pretty amusing. Oh, yeah. Apparently on the Corgis, the Corgis collection, uh, which I did some remixes on. I'm credited with vocals, which uh, wow. I, I mean, I, I I didn't know I could sing that well. But you get paid I, I better that way. <laughs> on the resids, you do. Did, I, then, did I, then if you're just the engineer or the mix guy, uh, unless you have a special deal, you'll get paid better as a singer. Ah. So maybe that's how that happened. Mm. I don't recall ever seeing anything specifically, but yeah, oh, that's good because I think I'm the singer with the Sex Pistols tribute band <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's good. The something Pistols. I can't remember what. It what's your? I've even um, had emails from people saying, "Oh, excuse me, are you uh, really the?" What? So, what's your stage name, Dave? Is it Johnny something or other? No, no, no. It's Dave Johnny. Spears. Johnny I think forgot that's who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny yeah. forgot. Johnny never bothered in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny, but actually when you see, you know, I mean, purely from that sort of vanity search point of view, what I, it, it did, you know, what it does do is highlight, if you've been working for a long time, you get this really long timeline. In fact, on here, one thing that was, oops, was quite cool was this sort of thing at the top where you get, you know, decades of when you worked and there's a big peak here. But actually, I should have a whole load in the 90s as well, but it obviously hasn't been entered. But to enter, unfortunately, if I want to edit my profile, I'll click that now and see what happens. Yeah, I can fill it all in, but it's it going to cost me 12 twelve ninety five a month or 100 bucks a year to, um, to correct those wrong, the, the wrong facts. But uh, anyway, you know, I almost mean, worth doing it for somebody that you're not partial to, isn't it? <laughs> Just filling it out completely <laughs> oh. incorrectly. Oh. There you go. I've set the cat amongst the pigeons there. There's a thought. It's kind of, it's like a paid for, it's almost like what you can do with Wikipedia, but you pay for the, pre and presumably once you've registered as you and you've claimed yourself, <laughs> then you are, if in effect, the owner of that and the gatekeeper of that information and you then become that. So if the real Nick Bat comes along, 
<laughs> then it, that, next time, I'm sorry, it. that's not you. And I could yeah. be prosecuted for be, attempting to be myself. <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting idea. Fantastic. I, I know, but seriously, I mean, I think, you know, there, there's got to be room for this. I mean, and, and I know that, uh, or I've seen rumours that the iTunes store is being totally redesigned, which is about time, frankly. Um, so maybe there's going to be, you know, because so it, it's going to take somebody like Apple adding this extra information and, and maybe making it a requirement for submitting tracks to kind of transfer maybe original sleeve notes from recordings that are older where they do exist. Or, you know, and presumably this database, it looks like it comes out of uh, one of the PRS or PPL ones and there is just a data uh, or, or matching those things or something along those lines that just means it gets pulled together. Didn't all music do something like this years ago? All... I seem to remember there was a website called All Music, I think. And that was that was a kind of credit station i seem to remember getting a couple of emails asking because somebody read some notes and it was like oh were you involved in this and did you do this kind of thing and i remember having a look at the site and thinking oh quite interesting no i didn't know that i there you know if i was going to argue anything there is kind of there is a really interesting aspect to not being credited whilst as a kid you know i loved reading and going off on all these kind of tangents exploring people's careers and stuff there is another aspect of not being credited in that it's actually quite fun because sometimes, like, I tend to dip in and out of projects with artists, so I never play a kind of pivotal role. And sometimes it's quite interesting to see whether you're credited, when you're credited, when you get the call for mm. do you want the credit and all of those kind of things because you can kind of see where you come in the pecking order. I quite like that. <laughs> well, the other thing I quite like is, you know, it's obviously playing for all to see and it supports your own theory that the, their greatest work was when you were involved. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and as, when your involvement ceased, then they stopped having hits, you know, or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's usually the other way around with me. Yeah. <laughs> We want to hire Dave for an obscure art triple, triple <laughs> yeah, album, yeah. which is just made purely out of pebbles landing in water. Jazz Odyssey 97. Yeah. Now that's what I call Jazz Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing really uh, that there is the opportunity for this. I mean, you know, because you, as a performer, if you've performed or uh, been involved in, in any recording and you have to put down the facts, you know, if you're a member of the Musicians' Union or any of those other things, you write it all down. So there is a database. I mean, it's not a million miles away. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it's not going to happen that um, we're going to be involved in every single APK and press piece of, you know, we asked to be involved in that. But it'd be nice to have a bit more inclusive because now it's just gone. You know, there's just nothing there. And it, unless you're a kind of superstar producer... In which case you're going to be. Sorry, I just I just saw that comment from Jam Jar Jimmy on your thing about Clive Dunn, and uh, it was Herbie Flowers, you know, Walk on the Wild Side, and then doing that with Grandad. I spoke to Herbie Flowers at a gig, and I asked him about Grandad, and he said, "This is a completely tangential point." I said, "So, what made you think of writing a song like Grandad?" And he said, "Oh, I had it in my head for quite a while, and he's a cantankerous old bugger, and I really liked him." And he said, I had it in my head for a while, but I couldn't think of the hook. So I rang my mate, and I've got a feeling it was somebody like Tony Hatch who came round and rang the doorbell, and I went, there's the hook. Ding dong, granddad. Ah, uh, he had one of those little 72-tone uh, bell, bell things. Yeah. I remember those. You can't buy them anymore. And They're now I can't listen to that record, even though I listen to it several times a day. I can't listen to it without thinking the doorbell. Somebody's at the door. <laughs> Right, we are getting a bit tangential here, but yeah, maybe sorry. this is a good time to um, to say a word from our sponsors. Unless, Rich, you have anything else to say? I mean, it seems like a good a good point at which to uh, to hit them hit them up. So uh, I'll press the button now. 
And you'll be able to see here that the, if you're watching the uh, video stream of the show, which I heartily recommend that you do, because uh, A, it's unedited, and you get all the bits that we can't put on YouTube, iTunes if we want to stay PG-friendly. Uh, any, oh, wow, this is an ad. What am I doing? I'm, I'm, going, I'm going off a tangent once again. Anyway, this is the O1V96i from Yamaha, compact digital console. Uh, very pleased to have them as sponsors of the show. We, th- we really do appreciate their uh, continued support of uh, Sonic Talk. Uh, uh, goodness knows we could do with more people like Yamaha supporting Sonic Talk so we can uh, live the lives that we're accustomed to. But this is essentially a 40-channel compact digital mixing desk. It's got tons of DSP on board. Uh, the VCM effects alone uh, give you a whole bunch of extra processing power. It means you can take out the computer out of the equation. It's got, uh, oh, what has it got? It's got VCM effects, master strip, channel strip, vintage stomp effects, RevX reverbs, things like compression EQ, model EQ, uh, 40 mixing channels, 32 mono and 4 stereo, six an- 16 analog and 8 digital inputs, 8-channel ADA-IO uh, optical interface, and that as standard. You're not using that one of your slots with that. 24-bit 96K ADDA converters, 8 auxes, 100mm motorised faders, 4 effects simultaneously, uh, advanced door support, obviously it integrates well with uh, Steinberg's, uh, you get AI uh, with it anyway, um, and you get Studio Manager V9, V2 support, Owen V96Is can be cascaded, so you can have two together, uh, which means that you're going to get a whole bunch of channels in a very compact space. So once again, we do thank uh, Yamaha for their continued sponsor of the show. I've got this little bit.ly URL, which I constructed specially for them, because that's the kind of service we like to provide here at Sonic Talk. (laughs) It's bit.ly slash 01V96I. So once again, thank you very much to Yamaha for the continued sponsor of the show. Right, let's come back to me. Uh, if I switch the right channels on, Rich, would you speak momentarily? Woof. Yes, thank you very much. That's, that is, in fact, correct. So uh, what was next? Oh, yeah, there's a new Ultravox album. Let's play the EPK. See, there's people in the background from this one. Oh, Jesus. Fiatical. Jesus. Or there would have been if I pressed the right button. Actually, the next topic... <laughs> Uh, what is that one then? Where is it? That's not it at all. No, oh, oh, here it is. Yeah. yeah, I just messed about with this. I was doing it yesterday. Your thumb, the, the thumb to and your sequence of four is not bad. No, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been doing quite a bit, but then I can get something going like I have been doing now, and they'll, I'll go off and I'll come is luckily me and Chris are interested in some of the chords I come up with. I mean they could be sort of not interested but they are so that's great and that's a real boost for me again after all these years you know and that's lo- that's lovely you know and I can make the form and the bones and the f- feeling through the notes. I won't play it all, but that was uh, an excerpt. It's a kind of behind-the-scenes thing of them just working together. They haven't worked together, I think they worked together in 1990 very briefly, but this is a 11th studio album released 28th of May uh, with obviously the original lineup: Billy Curry, Chris Cross, Warren Cairn and Midgeor. And um, tw- did I say it was coming out on the 28th? And funnily enough, it's actually signed to EMI, which I, th- I didn't think anybody was signed to EMI anymore. I thought they didn't exist practically at a label, allegedly. Um Dave, I know you've you've got kind of contacts with uh, Billy and uh, and Midge and stuff. I mean, uh, are you got any inside knowledge on this whole process or what's going on? I know they, uh, I know they decamped to Canada for a while. I think to do this. In fact, it looked like it. Yeah, that was like a log cabin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
No, other than, you know, I, I'm not involved in this. I did help out with uh, setting up the live um, tour that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, and then I knew they were going in to write a new album. I mean, the tour went amazingly well. I went to the Roundhouse, I think it was the last gig of the tour. And I mean, it was just like the 80s are back. It was absolute bedlam in there. And it was a really good fun gig, actually, and very well done. And um, yeah, no, I know Billy and I know Chris. Chris uh, used to live in a village very close to me and had lived there forever. And I had no idea until I started helping out on the live stuff. And then. Um, in fact, he's moved down this way now, so he's joined the other contingent. I wonder, I mean, I wonder, because, I mean, essentially, Ultravox are probably singularly known for Vienna, which is a 1980 recording. Yeah. Very stark, very atmospheric electronic music with a kind of, you know, atmospheric video. And you just got to think, you know, 30-odd years later, you're sort of... I wonder if there's going to be a lot of uh, expectation that's unlikely to be lived up because I mean, people have lived a lot of life between now and then and they're probably not into being moody um, teenage kind of people. Yeah, I think from a fan's perspective, this is an album that people thought would never happen. In fact, even that tour, people thought would never happen. You know, Billy and Midge weren't the best of mates for many years. Um, but Billy's amazing... He's amazingly, I mean, he was properly classically trained and stuff, so he's quite, quite an amazing musical character. And he's constantly put out solo albums and stuff like that. So I think I'm kind of really interested to see what happens here because the gigs were quite something. And even if you're not a kind of Ultravox fan, just, just to witness those people go that mad over, you know, all mm. stood still and just that they were so, I mean, it was literally like all the hits. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, because I didn't realise they'd done this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've forgotten they'd done this. And the sound was great. Of course, I have to say that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, no, it was a really good event. And uh, I'm kind of interested, like everyone's gone off on their kind of solo things. And I'm really interested as to how this will kind of happen within a band environment again and whether those old constraints will make things gel mm. in a kind of new way or, you know, with a hint of the old. I don't know. I mean, I nearly went to see Ultravox once, but uh, I couldn't make it in the end. And I noticed from your comments in the chat room, Rich, that um, you are almost completely unaware of Ultravox. <laughs> I think it must have been. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a US hit as well, Vienna, wasn't it? It was number one for, for number two. Well, for, it wasn't uh, number one, was it? It, it got knocked two. off number one by Shut Up In Your Face. <laughs> I think that's the thing that kept it off, which, of course, you know, I love to remind them about every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I share something in common with them because that, that I got te teenage. Oh, I was either I was either um, <laughs> teenage mutant, mutant ninja turtles or um, Timmy Mallet that kept me from that. <laughs> so I, I can I can understand the pain of kept being kept off the number, number one, one. song. I have novelty song. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Vienna was just massive, and of course, Warren went out to the states, and he's very good friends with Hans Zimmer, and so I think Warren's kind of. In fact, they alluded to it in that video, didn't they? That Warren. Will probably dip in and out of this album. Right. Um, he's got his own life in LA. Right. Uh, but just really cool guys. Actually, really cool guys. Chris, I absolutely love, and Billy, I absolutely love. You know, Billy's been great to us over the years, and uh, yeah, I've got nothing but nice did, didn't, he, to didn't say. he have kind of stuff input on the oddity? Because he was a well, he oddity. used the oddity. Um, I mean, basically, the live stuff was oddity, mini monster, string machine, uh, Oscar. But the Oscar was his real kind of baby, and he's been down to see us a few times, and he's just a real character, and just got tons and tons of really interesting stories. I mean, they they just went massive. Don't forget, they did that Montserrat album, didn't they? Where 
And things just... I love this idea of a band being this unit and then all this stuff happening to them and making them behave and react in what could be described as pretty strange ways. But then, you know, all these kind of things happening to this unit and then everybody going off and doing their own thing. And then this moment where it's like, actually, we're going to do this again. And it's not a money thing. It was more, it was a bit serendipitous, I think, from what I understand. Uh, there was something to do with an EMI 25th anniversary or t- maybe it was the 25th anniversary of one of their albums or something like that. Oh, okay. And something just happened and, and, and this spark happened. Oh, well, that's good. Hello, Rich. Um, I'm guessing I already know that uh, Ultravox probably don't figure large in your musical repertoire history of, uh, of, of, <laughs> of memories. But, I mean, do you, do you think that it's... Can it ever be good? A reformation when you've got such a kind of a sound of its time coming back together so much later. I mean, I know it worked really well with John Fox. I mean, that that album is mm. absolutely genius. But mm. uh, I don't know. What what do you think? Well, there's two questions that you're asking. One is, can it be any good? And the other is, can it be anything like it used to be? Yeah, I and, guess so. and will it therefore appeal to the fans of what it used to be? And um, I'm all in favor of people getting back together and dis- rediscovering some kind of creative spark around whatever it is they're doing now. And typically people find it less enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm generating the second time around, at least in, as I observe it happening in the world, but I still think it's important for people to do it. And I can, you were just beginning a discussion about the logistics of a reunion, a 25th anniversary or whatever, and that bringing them back. And it's often some kind of catalyst like that where, you know, they've gone their separate ways because they got just completely sick of each other or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then there comes a point in your life where you remember the good things more than you remember the bad things. And you know you want to remember the good things more than you remember the bad things. And you look back on your life and you realize what some of the best times were, were dealing with those people who ultimately became so much more difficult to deal with later on. And you basically want to rekindle the good parts of that and keep away from the bad parts of it. And lots of people have tried it and done it. And I think it's a good thing for a person to do in their life to look back that way and to want to, Create something new again with those people with whom you shared those exciting moments. Yeah, I, 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 that's a, a good way that of looking at it. And vibe with that, you know, sharing those kind of crazy experiences and then just it leading to all sorts of weirdness. And I mean, at some point you have to return to reality. And then I, like, I love the idea of exploring that, you know, 20 odd years or 25 years on, kind of going, did that? Because there's loads of things that have happened to me that I kind of think, did that really happen? And within a band or even in a kind of person. And when you actually get together with somebody, I can't even remember. I was talking to my mum about something the other day and I was like, did I really carry a coffin down Falls Road in Belfast for a mile? And I was like, did I really do that? And she was like, yeah, 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 because she was there. And it was like, but within a band context where you've got all those extra kind of ingredients going on. Right. All of those things I find really fascinating. Hmm. Well, again, in all those bad times as my friend David Lee Roth once wrote, become drinking stories. Yeah. And then it's fun. Then you can share it. And, oh, is that what you meant? Yeah. Of all these years, I thought you were talking about, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing, you know, and uh, it turns into this really great social experience for all involved. And at this point in our lives, I think that's uh, more and more important. 
Getting ready for the, uh, I remember when, yeah. yeah it, is, it is important, because I, I can't remember a lot of it. My mum tells me stuff that she remembers, and I just think, what? I don't remember. And I wasn't like, I didn't lead a kind of uh, a, a, a substance abuse kind of lifestyle, and I just, I don't know where those memories have gone at all. I mean, some of them have just completely vanished, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe good for that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I wish them luck, and I think it would be good to, to hear what it's like. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining from what there was a very brief clip at the end of that video which sort of implied that it had gone let, more, more safe and perhaps more about the song than about the atmosphere and the sound, where, whereas I think that, you know, the, the John Fox stuff that we heard was just really brutal noise, which I really liked. Yeah, I liked yeah. the fact that he didn't lose, and he was, he was still really kind of tuned into that just kind of world of sound, which, and it still sounded very current and now, rather than just yeah. being a little less. I like that hint of, the, the hint of nostalgia. The bit where you kind of go, oh, what does that remind me of? And right. you can almost kind of smell it. Not where it's in your face, but that kind of, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Um, uh, right, well, what's next then? Oh, um, does anyone... Uh, uh, we could do... Oh, I think this is actually quite cool now. What's this? Is this number two? Yeah, let's have a look at this. Fiatico. Fiatico. Why is it that you have to have a ukulele on every single advert in the world at the moment? Anyway, that's really not nothing to do. That is the uh, Samsung flexible AMOLED display, uh, which looks really cool. Obviously, that's a mock-up to to an extent, because there's no computer in that, because it's just a piece of cellophane, effectively. But is that a really cool idea? It's coming, apparently... um, this is from Samsung. It's flexible AMOLED display, and it's going to be happening in around about. If I've got, I think I've got a web page up here. Uh, Two thousand and twelve. They're actually going to be coming out with some in a product. And I just thought, is is there any use of this in in our world? Is, can you think of anything that would make it really cool? I suppose you could wrap it around a sphere or something. I mean, anyone excited about this, or am I really clutching at straws? I would like to say actually that. I, um, we were expecting a guest on this week that didn't work out, so uh, that's why I, my topics are perhaps a little substandard. <laughs> Before there's a disclaimer, I <laughs> know, um, oh Rich. What do you think? I don't think I don't think this is a substandard topic. Good, me. thank you. That's very kind of you to say so. Um, I found it fascinating what apparently Samsung and LG are working on in display technology, and and in the same article. It mentioned that LG was closer to some kind of paper-like interface. I don't know. It, Liqu- they're going for something incredibly thin. Oh, wow. No, this is called li- – this doesn't sound very good. Electri- Liquivista electro-wetting display. Mm. And su- flexible e-paper displays are for the LG ones, yeah. Well, they need a little help with the branding. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a bit like something for a toddler. Transitioning to uh, school life, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so, where? I mean, how, musically, what could what do, what kind of uses could you see this for? I could wrap it round stuff. I'm just. I, I I was thinking this really cool, and then I thought, yeah, but what for? I did exactly the same, and then I thought, oh god, it's going to be you know paper bags that talk to you when you buy oh. shit in the shop, stuff in the shop, and then. Uh, Carrier bags that talk to you when you buy things in a shop. <laughs> Packaging. Oh, no, I, it's going to be I, a nightmare. I think there are tremendous performance opportunities here because you can hardly see the thing. And if you mount it right, you can have video showing up in all the wackiest places at the wackiest times. It can be wrapped around something. It could be moving. It'll seem like almost holography. 
mm. from the audience if you do it oh, right. Well, for like, yeah, for a projection kind of idea. Yeah, you could do some very, very interesting because you can't see that it's a screen if unless you reflect light off of it. But, but uh, you know, in, in other words, when it's not active, mm. it should be almost undetectable. Now, whether it is I wonder not, how bright it could be. I mean, obviously that mock-up made it look like it was as bright as sunlight in an outside environment, but I wonder if there's actually anything like the truth. I liked when he turned it horizontal and a birthday cake showed up on yeah. top. You know, like, Not only that, but it also, it just, it, it will produce 3D objects. <laughs> like yeah, a rabbit right. out of a hat. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> if you could reach into the thing and pull stuff out like money, that would be really good. Yeah. Now that, obviously, that's the, the, the fight. That's the use that we're all hoping for, isn't it, really? You just reach in and pull money out. It's essentially <laughs> like the hole in the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. You remember Ringo found a hole in his pocket? And he pulled it out and he started laying it on things, and then you could go through that thing that he laid oh, the yeah, hole yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the I, same. I, I'd like to say uh, Phineas and Ferb used that as well in uh, some very good – in, in the uh, – in, in a rather good um, episode there, but that's uh, aside. Uh, no, Dave – Synthesizers, any application, or really is it more likely to be on the outside of the box calling to you than it is to actually to, in the use of the of it? Yeah, I don't think, I mean, if, if you know, this happens, it, they shouldn't be allowed to sell it to um, marketing people or, or um, anything that tries to sell you stuff. It should be for creative use only, and that would make things a lot more interesting. I can't stand it when you're standing in a post office queue. All you want is a stamp and you've got this screen going, eh, buy something, Have buy something. Have you thought something. about your pension? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to live a sad and lonely old life. I mean, I, oh, just brings out the old curmudgeon in me. Technically, though, quite fascinating. <laughs> got a lot of potential. Well, yeah, but I, I, it's interesting that we can't... Uh, actually, stamps made out of it. There's a thought. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder, you know, because obviously, to, you know, that, that demonstration was amazing, but I'm guessing there has to be some form of connector and some massive video processing unit to drive that level of you battery, know, display. I don't know, but maybe not. Where's it going to go? Yeah. Well, right. And then that, where would you store it? In the perimeter? Like, you, it, uh, that's the most obvious way to store it, unless you can make it transparent. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, – it, it's already throwing up a load of pro- – it's, it's kind of like you can, but why would you? It's one of those, isn't it, really? I'm sure someone will come – some smart person will come up with a, a brilliant concept. Because, I mean, I agree, Rich, live, it could work, but I'm just wondering how bright it would be. Because you remember that um, that thing that we saw um, – I forget the name – Amon Tobin, that amazing screen set, which yeah. was all projected. It, it, rather than projecting, you just have them on all the faces of the stuff, and it would – Yeah, exactly. It could, it could be mm. really interesting then mm. for that sort of thing. Yeah. Amon Tobin for beginners. Yeah, or wallpaper. <laughs> have wallpaper made out of it. So cool. that your house, the room that you're in, could just become something completely different depending on what you felt like. That would be quite neat. Yeah, you see, putting the hands of creative people, not marketing. I can't imagine that an, a, a sort of three meter by two meter size, it might be getting a bit expensive with that. £25 pound a square foot. £25 pound a square foot. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. Excellent. Yeah, but you put one behind each, you know, like a monolithic version of this thing behind each band member on stage, and you're able to light to to create backgrounds for each one. Yeah, customized background. It could be cool. I mean, I could imagine stage designers put it over a lot more adept than me finding cool ways to use this. Well, kind that's of an thing. interesting idea. Actually, I mean, I you know, I think you're right though, uh, Dave. I think ultimately we're probably just going to see it at trade shows on stands. Yeah, shouting hey. stuff at you as yeah. you walk past. And it's More no like- good. <laughs> and you're trying to hold up the bank, it's, it puts you off. <laughs> um, now hold gonna- it right there. <laughs> yeah, young man. 
Right. Uh, well, anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting uh, and uh, a sort of an aside, but I'm sure they're going to be... I mean, maybe we'll end up with kind of unusually shaped instruments that have a display like that. That'd be interesting. Anyway, we'll I see. I like the idea of putting that over your face and making you look younger or more attractive. <laughs> good, just get it? a mask that's fitted. And, like, I can yeah, have one on top of my that. head that would just emulate hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be joining you. Yeah. Right. Anyway, that that was cool. Uh, right, so what's the next? Um, let me see. Ah, this is the Tone 2 Saurus. I think I've got an MP3 somewhere. Uh, I'll start with that, and then I'll try perhaps this one. This is uh, Mark Mosher. This is how I saw it, actually, because I fought Mark, follow Mark on uh, Twitter. He's also uh, posting some interesting stuff. And this is him playing the... Uh, Tone 2 Saurus, which is a new soft synth, uh, which has um, various properties. Is it three os- uh, two oscillators each with a sub, multi-mode filter, uh, built-in effects. They uh, call it... I'm going to switch to this. They, 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 that's the screen of it there. But they basically seem to be pu- pushing this as their, uh, with their own kind of uh, analog emulation and engine, isn't it? So it's got... Uh, what do they call it? It's... Analog, true analog modeling technology, um, which they call it. I mean, they have a various series of waveforms and all that kind of stuff going on on the uh, screen. Uh, and, you know, marketing and what have you is all marvellous. Um, but it, it seems to be generating a bit of interest. And I just wonder if anyone's in. I mean, it's not massively different to anything else, you know, that, perhaps other things. But does it appeal to you, Rich? I mean, it's not. I think it's 90 quid. It's quite expensive. Quite an expensive synthesizer. Sounded good, and that doesn't seem like that much, but 90 quid. Yeah, I suppose it's not, is it? I suppose I'm just used to seeing so much stuff that's almost, you know, next to nothing. Mm, maybe so. Your, st- your stuff is, how much is, how much is yours, Dave? There you I go. Know, I can't remember, 149 <laughs> euros or something like that. So I suppose it is reasonably cheap, uh, low cost, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to be generating a bit of interest. I mean, I haven't had a chance to download the demo or anything, but it's always nice to kind of put something up about a new instrument. Let me see what else it's got in it. Uh, it's various modes, syncable oscillators, pulse width mod on all oscillators. I do like that on um, oscillators that are not square, on wave shapes that are not square. How does that work, though? Because, I mean, surely pulse width modulation is, is only for square wave. Do you have to well, emulate it? They'll do wave shape modulation, I think, rather than yeah. you, there isn't a pulse width to modulate but there is a wave that you can change the shape of ah right so you sort of move the peak around i guess or something and, like and that. and you occasionally see a synth and i love this actually uh and in fact the multimog has this uh, with a continuously variable wave shape knob which uh can you can sweep between wave shapes and i love when you can modulate that when you can modulate yeah that. actually that reminds me of the poly kb uh, Zill's lab. That I, really uh, nice kind of animated things with a single oscillator and not have to, you know, chorus it up and do, you know, that kind of thing. It's very Yeah, nice. that does sound good. I do like that as in a synth. Oh, I do like that in oh, a synth. Oh, I do like that. Um, sound Dave, good. Sound yeah, good. Sounded all right. Um, I don't like any of this. I, you know, it's, I, 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 I think Dave was perhaps put up by the marketing claims. Acronyms and all that kind of, just, just doesn't do anything for me. Just be straight. But it did sound good and they got a great reputation. And actually... And to my mind, hats off for making a two VCO synth because everybody at the minute is like, oh, it's got to have 57 VCOs and they've all got to be detunable and unison. Whereas actually, you can do an awful lot with two. And I know that each of them have got a sub. 
Uh, and they've, and well, they've the, got a the, great reputation. The so. subs are multi-wave as well. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah, that. that's interesting. That's an interesting thing. And you've got a chain. You can change the first. If I can, can I make that any bigger? No, you can change the phase of the sub oscillator. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it's got a few unique features. I'd like to have a play around with it, but uh, like I say, Mark Mosher, um, who's a gigging musician, uh, follow him quite a lot on uh, on Twitter. He's he's making lots of patches and stuff. So I expect we'll probably see if you, there's not much demo stuff on YouTube. There are a couple of MP3 demos, which uh, there's one vintage and one modern. I did check those out. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, have a little bit more to offer, I think in terms of uh, what you can actually hear from it, unless you download the demo. I might do that because their examples were all vaguely Rolandy, ah. And as much as I like that, I'd like to know what else it sounds like. And that all kind of sounded, I don't know. It, it, like I said, it reminded me more of Roland than of the Moog Oberheim, mm. you know, world. That's very interesting you should say that because uh, when we were playing here, Dave was playing on the JP80, which is currently in residence uh, here, and he said that it had a sort of similar characteristic to the uh, to the Saros. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the, it, it was. The, I think it's the it's the aggression, isn't it? It's the sort of in your face kind of really sort of front and center which perhaps it's uh is a characteristic of other synthesizers perhaps not so not so new roland anyway it's a bit virusy. I, I hear it as a characteristic of the mid-range hmm. the area from like 2k to 8k and the way it presents there okay yeah no it's interesting i've been working a lot you know using a lot of uh, synth which are really really present so for me when i kind of checked the demo out of the mp3 demos i was like oh Where's all that kind of presence gone? It all seems a bit kind of fizzy. Mm. Uh-huh. Whereas, I don't know, you know, maybe it's just the kind of the mode I'm in at the minute. Well, mm-hmm. you just posted something, and you on, um, was that your... your oh, my synth jam uh, thing, synth yeah, jam. yeah, yeah. Which was a kind of mixture of hardware and software and stuff, which I just, you know, it was, a, it was an exercise in seeing how well things work together. But still maintaining that kind of very uh, presence is the only way I can describe it. John, our... Um, programmer would kill me for such a description you have to have it have to have something a bit more specific yeah rich did much better than me <laughs> the je ne sais quoi <laughs> those k things he talked about uh anyway uh tone dot com that's a tone with the number two dot com and uh you see it there uh, what else has it got uh let me see Ooh, four stereo unison modes with spread and panning control oh, i like the sound of that uh what else have we got here um I'm trying to see in the the list high quality uh, optional psychoacoustic processing. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so well worth checking out. Um, and uh, there seem to be you know there's a number of instruments coming along. I'm still waiting to get a, a mini brute here. Um, seems everybody else in the world happens to have one and is posting videos, but not us. So I'm wondering what the what, what that says. Ah, does that say yeah. something, does that say something about us or or them? I'm not sure. But anyway, if anyone important at Artoria listens to this, you should get one over because I, I you know I, I occasionally know what I'm talking about. It's certainly <laughs> captured the zeitgeist at the moment, isn't it? Anyway. Uh, what's next? Oh, sweet electronic music repository. Why ever not? This was uh, network awesome. I didn't actually have anything. Did I have something lined up to play here? Oh yes, I did. This was. I thought this was hilarious. Anyway. So welcome to Big Love '96, where um, Heather Swins has been playing exclusively. Now I've been watching it out there. It was insane, by the way. There was these bears one stage a bit more lively than they are now. 
and I was trying to watch it and I had to walk away after a while because the strobes were just so intense. Is it, is it like that for you on stage as well or you just don't see it, it's all out there? No, I'm well used to strobes. I've, you know, I've been looking at them for about ten years so I don't actually notice them anymore. I wish I could do that. So what exactly were you doing on stage? It was like you were like lying down almost with this weird little computer and some twiddling some knobs. What were you actually doing? Uh, relaxing. It's brilliant. One of those classic non-participatory interviews that you get from time to time. And, and it be, the fact that it being Aphex Twin, who is never, ever, 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 ever on camera anymore unless he's doing one of his own yeah. videos. But there's a bit later on, he just smiles and it's just like, ooh, he, looks, he actually looks really scary in real life. So when they're, they're, all the window liquor stuff where they did this really weird stuff of putting his head, his sort of big bearded grinning head on top of fit women dancing in bikinis yeah, 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 was yeah. really disturbing yeah. and it just brought back all those memories and it was just a bit kind of a... Uh, 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 but anyway, that, that that's beside the point. It wasn't about um, them at all. It was about this, which is this uh, network... <laughs> uh, uh, electronic music... Network Awesome it is, and it's an Electronic Music Week, which was uh, something that uh, Peter Kern posted on... Uh, create digital music and there's a whole collection of sort of really a lot a lot of the stuff we've seen before um and maybe covered um, but there's a lot also an awful lot of stuff that i haven't there's just various different kind of bits documentary moo a uh, moo you know the john jack perry i've got a secret of him playing the uh is that the mellotron no, no. What was uh, it? What did it, he play? Ons Martino. Ons Martino. That's right. Sorry, and just loads and loads of it, all in one place, playlisted up, and the Giorgio Moroder collection. Oh, I'm very cool. tempted to click on that just because. I just, his style is just something that I cannot resist. Um, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it was just a really cool uh, repository of, of bits there. And that was the first one that struck me. Because, oh, I've never seen that before. What's that? Soul Clap? Uh, oh, I don't know. Like soul STD. Clap. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Let's have a look. Soul Clap. Oh, look, there's an S900 in the background there. Uh, 909. I'm guessing it's got something to do with house music. Yes. Favourite house music. Daft Punk's Electric. I don't know. Um, did you get a chance to look at any of this, Dave? Or I didn't. You... I'm really sorry. No, I didn't. I, I called it up the page, but Safari then crashed. It's going to be a very short topic, this one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to have it all in one place, though. Yes, but something that's well worth it. So networkawesome.com slash special slash electronic music week with dashes in between those words. Rich, did you get a chance to check any of these out? Did any of these catch your eye or uh, am I um, uh, going to have to talk a lot? No, no, I watched Clara Rockmore for a while this morning. I listened to even when I wasn't watching. Oh, what was she? Uh, Clara, was she the um, theremin Therum. player? Absolutely. That is a She's wicked amazing. picture. She looks like a very scary lady. <laughs> That's a picture from the video. She actually talks to you and then announces the songs and then plays them oh. with a piano accompanist. And it's essentially a classical presentation with a sort of a slightly ugly square wave tone being pervaded very competently by. I think we should play it. Let's have a quick look. Yeah, it's got a bit of a long intro. So I'll help you out. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, it is, isn't it? There's loads. Uh, no, there's one more now. Now after this, you'll want to roll in about I don't know half a minute at least. Okay. Because Hebrew melody by Afron. There you go. <laughs> Not hearing anything. Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. Here you go.
Right. Yeah. Not, it's coming. Not, not, there you go. Pan, quick, go on. Caravan struggling with the enormous 1950s tripod to try and get the... Cool. There's a certain amount of Fanny Craddock in there, I would say, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's probably something you wouldn't uh, reference, you would not get. But there's a very uh, oh. formidable lady from the 1960s who did a uh, cookery show, who is universe well, not universally, but certainly nationally held up as a kind of uh, a very strong woman, shall we say? Scary. What was the name of her husband? Oh yeah, he, he'd always be sort of yeah. come in, come on, yeah, yeah, just put it down, go away, yeah, and uh, yeah, she she strikes me as perhaps <laughs> somebody who would be capable of that sort of behaviour. It's like the old woman version of the galloping gourmet, but with less energy. Pretty sure that Clara Rockmore's husband was Lev Theremin. Oh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the case, but I could be wrong. Well, no, it, they met, didn't they, when they were very young, and then he was abducted back. Uh, by the KGB, wasn't he? Yeah, Gosh, yeah, and they met years and years later, and it was an absolutely stunning film. Yeah. I will never forgive my ex-business partner's wife for taping over my version of it with Top Gun. <laughs> oh, God. Theremin to Top Gun. Although, oh, this was a, that... an amazing story. I mean, it really was just an amazing Although that... Film. No, no. It's got a bit more texture than the square wave. <laughs> was this bit at the end, you know, where it all ends, and then it was like... Oh my God! She's taped over my the story of the theremin. Isn't that fit? Is it actually called theremin? If I remember correctly, I'm sure we've talked about it in the past, it and I know that it was mentioned. Um, brilliant, um, early early in Sonic Talks history. I yeah, think. very moving, really brilliant. I recommend everybody find it and watch it. Uh, but in the meantime, you can head over to Network Awesome dot com and watch uh, Clara Rockmore, uh, amongst other luminaries, doing their things. Um, I'm just trying to think where is it? Uh, she used 1911 virtuoso performer of the Thurman. Uh, blah, 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 blah. She was a child prodigy on the violin and in, entered the Imperial Conservatory of St. Petersburg at the age of five. Wow. Uh, let me see. I'm just, I'm, I'm scanning, I'm speed reading. So I'll probably get all of these facts wrong. She plays a bit like a violinist. Yes. In the, in the way that it's performed. Wow. Yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm just I, I was just zoning out there reading that, but she is special. She had special theremin tailored by Leon Theremin himself to meet her unique requirements. <laughs> Could you imagine that? I mean, no, 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 like this. I can imagine her being quite forceful on that. Just. <laughs> I'm sure she was a lovely lady, and um, it's it's clear that she could certainly play. It always strikes me though when you hear the theremin, and there's this sort of air of seriousness and kind of, and then this sort of horrible natty sound sort of comes out of it. It just seems a shame that it's not richer somehow and more. And more kind of uh, tonally satisfying. Um, I don't know. Is that I something? I think it's quite an emotive instrument. It's just, it sounds like a stylophone. Yeah, <laughs> a stylophone with no fixed pitch intervals. It's really hard to play. I found it really hard. I thought it was going to be easy, and then all of a sudden it was like, ah, me is not that good, is it? Uh, have you ever play, tried play one, Rich? Have Absolutely. You, have you got it? Have you got it in you? Can you can you can you nail it, or is it uh, very difficult? I've never tried. I don't think. All of the well, I don't have it nailed by a long shot, but I was able to get with some practice. I was able to get out the melody to the 
I, I did, uh, as my senior piece for an electronic music class at Cornell University, I did a oompa version all on synths and theremin of Roll Out the Barrel. <laughs> and I was able to get out, roll out the barrel, and even take it up an octave for the last verse. Ah, uh, and wow. it was all very rousing. I had, you know, three, I had a four track machine to work with. So I had three tracks of monophonic synths going. And it came in like that. That's fast, fast thing to play, fast melody uh, on a did, theremin. How did you uh, How did you fare in the points um, on that particular piece? Did it Did it get you your pass? Oh, in terms of the grade, yeah, I did very well. Excellent. I wouldn't have expected anything less, to be honest, Rich. <laughs> but I was just pausing there for comedic know. effect. I don't know what he was expecting, but he sure <laughs> as hell wasn't expecting that. So we're going to put. I'm going to put that up on that music credit site now. Really? Yeah. Are you there? <laughs> right next to the credit where I played ukulele on a Tiny Tim album. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm just trying to think if I can find. No, I haven't got a. T- I can't type on. Uh, I haven't got a World keyboard. Tiny anymore. never knew. There's a lot of that never knew stuff. You see, now that's where you get into the gray area with the credits. Is what about where we sent the guy home and I replayed everything he just did in the box. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad move. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not going to get you a lot. Well, it would get you work from people who knew, and probably from the guy you replaced all the stuff for, who thought you made him sound great. To this day, I promise you, they don't know. Right. That's pretty. Uh, some pretty uh, major achievement. I love it. I wonder if I ever get credited for the uh, the S nine hundred flute solo I played them, on uh, on a jazz yeah. funk EP I produced in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! I got yeah. told off for crediting somebody once. There was a, a band that may never be their names must never be mentioned. Gave us some <laughs> sounds for uh, the Emtron, and I credited them early on, and it caused all sorts of a ruckus. Oh dear! Because it was seen as some kind of alliance, and it wasn't. Um, there you go. I, I thought I was ah oh, yeah, you know, credits, credits, credits. Yeah, yeah, help everybody out. Name check everybody. Oops. Mm. There's a valuable lesson there somewhere. So does that mean what I should probably do now, rather than kind of uh, introduce you all, I should just yeah, yeah. Uh, cut the stream dead yeah, <laughs> without, yeah, yeah. without yeah. saying anything, <laughs> anything to anybody? That's enough from me. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Nick Bat. Goodbye. Uh, and it, but... <laughs> it's like that Bambi. There we go. There's my lower third there. That's me. That's me, that is. <laughs> the foot of Godzilla comes crashing down. <laughs> seconds of peace. <laughs> yes, very Monty Python. Anyway, but that does, in fact, seem like a good time to uh, <laughs> to stop. Um, and because we've also covered all the topics, and I have nothing further to say about any of it. And um, I've got a now. Actually, what I'm doing now is I'm heading off to uh, to see Howard Jones in Bristol, um, who's playing tonight at the O2 Academy as part of his Humans Live and Dream Interaction. Uh, tour. They're doing the two albums in their entirety. Uh, Robbie Bronneman, who's done some video stuff for us before, invited us over to sort of say, do you want to do a bit of a gig rundown, a rig rundown? So I'm hoping to get there in time because they're starting early because they've got two albums to get through. So I will be uh, basically leaping into a fast car to try and get there and park and uh, get some content. So look forward to mm-hmm. that. And if you want to catch them anywhere else, uh, they're playing tonight. Tomorrow's Shefford, Sheffield. Uh, day after, 13th is Liverpool. Uh, 14th is Birmingham. Uh, 17th Newcastle 18th Glasgow Bournemouth on the 20th and London in the 21st at Shepherd's Bush Empire where you can get kind of VIP package dates stuff uh, and it's all O2 stuff so I'm guessing there's probably a tie up with the promoter so I'll let you know how it goes next week um, 
And what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Now, also, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Susie Conrad on, who is uh, was uh, the UK winner of the Boss Looping Championships. Mm. She's not a beatboxer, but she's a kind of like a kind of Katie Tunstall style of player. I'm sure she'd hate me for saying that, but in terms of she plays and she sings and she layers things up and does loop. And it's really, really good. So she's going to come in and do a couple of numbers for us. I'm not going to attempt that live because I just... I feel a little bit nervous about that, <laughs> but we'll do a rig rundown with her and she'll break something apart. Um, so hopefully in a couple of weeks, she'll have that. We'll have that online. So anyway, I want to say thank you very much to my guests. We have Mr. Rich Hilton over there in uh, Connecticut. Who, um, I'm guessing that car must be that very, the driver of your limousine must be getting very impatient to whisk you off to make some hits now. No, no, I fed him well and uh, he's out there chilling. Actually, he's downstairs. Excellent. Well, it's good to know you treat uh, treat your people so well, Rich. And uh, Hiltonius.com, uh, thanks very much for joining us. I uh, very much enjoyed that. And also we've got Dave Spears, G4Software.com. Thank you very much. Right there uh, in the building in the studio, with me, yeah. with uh, backed by the Jupiter. And um, the rather – I did try and put a gel across that light, but it's still a bit yellow, isn't it? Not quite the, uh, the skin tone I was hoping for. But fairly soon we'll figure out how to get it all in lovely HD for everybody. But uh, anyway, that was Sonic Talk number 261, of all things. And uh, it's a wrap. Thank you very much.